0: Hey, what's up? Mr. Bill here. Before you listen to this podcast, as always, I wanted to tell you about some stuff. Um, The main piece of information I have this week is that we're launching a Patreon. This is to support the podcast. Obviously, all of these episodes need to be recorded and edited. Uh, My podcast editor so far has edited all of these pro bono, meaning free. I have not paid him a cent and he's edited like 30 episodes or something. It takes him hours to edit each episode. Uh, So I would really like it for him to start earning some money because I feel bad about him doing all of this work for me for free. So we're launching a Patreon to try and get some income happening surrounding the podcast, give him some money. Plus, uh, we could probably, you know, start doing bigger and better things if we had a little bit of money coming in to throw towards the podcast, like maybe getting bigger and better guests in when travel is allowed again after all the uh covid restrictions we can maybe fly to other guests or have other guests fly to me and so on and so forth that's the main thing i wanted to talk about um other than that obviously sign up at mrbillstunes.com if you want to become a better producer and uh join the discord and all the links and stuff for all of that will be in the episode description so thanks and enjoy the episode cool all right man well yeah thanks for doing the podcast um yeah it's been general. like when i first started this podcast i basically was like i don't ever want to do these like not in person because i just much prefer having conversations in person and also i just like true having more control over the recording process like you can just give somebody a microphone that you trust plug it into (laughs) input that you trust and like you know you're going to get like good quality audio all the time and you know that like yeah yeah everything is just going to be sort of
1: standardized between episodes so they all sound kind of uh uniform that's the worst man when you when you're listening to a podcast and like the audio sounds like they just put a phone like in the corner of a room or something (laughs)
0: Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, then I thought about it. Like, um, So I didn't do any podcasts basically for the first month of quarantine. And then I thought about it and I was like, man, all my friends are like producers and shit anyway. I'm sure they yeah. can just record themselves into Ableton.
1: Yeah, pretty <laughs> much.
0: Yeah. I'm just a big fan of like uniform series of things. I've always done that with like my albums and my releases of any kind. I've always like, you know, had a continuous line of artworks like associated with music and, you know, with – I like to, you know, quality control things a lot and make, yeah, know, the, the only thing I haven't really done that with very well, I think is my tutorials. Um, I think I've kind of, fucked oh, up like, a bit. I
1: think they've like kind of evolved, but yeah, like your artwork, I mean, you've been working with funny for ages, eh?
0: Uh, yeah. So I started working with him in 2011 for the first Electricado album.
1: Fuck that's ages ago.
0: Yeah. It's almost 10 years. Dude, he's like doing some crazy shit now too. He's like doing a bunch of work in VR and stuff like that. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Have, um, have you used VR much? I've never tried it, man. What? Oh, fuck. So he's doing this thing in VR with this program called Quill and it's basically um, like infinite 3D space, but you have a paintbrush and you can just paint in 3D oh, space. Oh,
1: yeah. I've seen videos of people doing that. It looks fucking cool.
0: Yeah, so you can go infinitely in or infinitely oh, out. I think
1: you were telling me about this actually. What? How, how long has he been working on this VR oh, he's, for?
0: He's been doing it for a while, but um, yeah, now he's getting like approached by a lot of sort of big companies and stuff to do some cool work for them in the VR world, which is really cool. That's awesome, dude. If you've never tried VR, next time uh, you find someone that has a VR headset, you should ask them to let you play a game called Richie's Plank Experience. It's the most fucked up shit. <laughs> um, I'll explain it to you. Basically, you you put the headset on and you're just standing in a street, and then you turn around and there's elevator doors that open, and you're like, "All right, cool. I'll walk into this elevator." You turn around, uh, you can kind of see like the little crack in the door of the elevator whilst it like goes up about sixty yeah. f- floors, <laughs> and then and then it just opens and there's just a plank that's just overlooking a like 60 floor drop (laughs) and you have to like walk out on the plank but because it's basically like taking up your entire peripheral vision it just feels very real so like your entire everything in your body is telling you not to walk out on the plank basically
1: (laughs) oh that's crazy
0: yeah it's it's fucking nuts because i and the graphics are like not even good they're like terrible fucking graphics (laughs) but i guess because like it just takes up your whole vision it really like uh, yeah i don't know it just Like every possible like survival instinct sense in your body is going like no don't fucking do that.
1: Do you have a VR headset?
0: No, I just ordered one. So um, I ordered. Oh, where? Yeah, so I ordered an Oculus Quest, which is basically the cheaper version of the Rift. Oh yeah, Um, But it has less processing power, but you can buy this thing called a link cable and then you just plug the link cable into your graphics card, of which I have a crazy graphics card now because I just bought it, built that new computer. I
1: know you did. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I can just plug, uh, run the VR shit on my computer and run it to the headset using this link cable.
1: What did you get again? It was like a 2080 Ti or no.
0: Yeah. A 2080 GeForce RTX.
1: Yeah. I think it was a a Ti, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. I think it was fucking thousand yeah. dollar graphics card though.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty overkill. I absolutely you went fucking,
1: you went full Yolo on that build, dude. Did you end yeah, up getting the sixteen core or the twelve core?
0: I think I don't know. I, I'm I think the sixteen, but I actually have been having some slight issues with this computer. It's it's been having the, really, dude. So I get this problem sometimes when it's just been turned on for a while like and i always leave my computers on it so i've never i don't think it's yeah yeah i don't know like you shouldn't have to reset your computer to like overcome this issue yeah but after like i don't know maybe eight hours of working or something it's almost like the cache is full and it just starts hanging like intermittently every sort of i don't know 10 seconds or something
1: oh fuck i wonder if that's like a bottleneck with something or maybe how much you got a shit ton of ram too didn't you
0: dude 64 gigs of ram yeah (laughs) i i I named my computer like you know how you can name your system or whatever yeah yeah dude i named it ram ranch (laughs) (laughs) have you um have Uh, you seen that song
1: no but that's funny man a whole ranch
0: of ram (laughs) so there's this guy called grant mcdonald who um made this song and it's really terribly produced it's just like some stock guitar like some stock metal song in the background that's really badly recorded <laughs> with him just like talking over the top of it um <laughs> singing this song called ram ranch and it's like 18 oh naked cowboys in the showers at ram ranch wanting to get fucked wanting to get sucked <laughs> it's just like it's like the most gamer shit
1: what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's ram like
0: ranch. a uh, a twitch meme or whatever
1: yeah right have you, are you, um, streaming much on Twitch lately?
0: Um, so I've been, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was, I think I probably streamed like maybe five or 10 times, like somewhere in that range since quarantine started. So not a ton, but a yeah. little bit. Um, what about you? Have you streamed at all uh, in the last little while?
1: Uh, not in the last little while, but I did do like one stream, which I didn't bother like posting all over social media. I just kind of like told my discord server and. I was just working on this track because I, I wanted to get on like a call with Defunk mm-hmm. to sort of finish up this tune. Uh, I wasn't really sure how we wanted to go about like the arrangement side of things. And I just thought, fuck it, we'll just stream it as well. So like that's the last stream I did. Oh, but nice. Yeah.
0: Um, do you find getting on a call with people to write
1: songs is is like a good way to collaborate online? To a certain extent, I think like, um, it's good to get like some ideas and some like uh, a list of like a to-do list together sort of thing like oh yeah oh that's a good idea I'll do that later when I, after I get off the phone call with you and then you can really like sit down and focus but I feel like I can't focus if I'm like on the phone to someone and they're just sort of waiting for me to do something
0: yeah that's kind of the the weird sort of pivot point of streaming right it's like you want to stream so you can like be invested in your audience and you know generate some fun content for people to watch and whatnot but the sort of catch is that you don't really get a lot of work done whilst you're streaming because you have to like engage with the chat and stuff
1: yeah it's it's definitely um it feels more scattered and less focused um it depends on what you're doing like i feel like if you're doing something that's relatively monotonous Like, I don't know, just recording, uh, like say you have a drum, a drum machine, you just want to record a bunch of sounds out of that to like make a sample pack or something. Then you could just like chit chat with people on stream while you do that. But I don't know, making creative sound design decisions while you're trying to like also entertain the chat is pretty hard.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it yeah, it takes like quite a lot of mental power sometimes to like sit back and just take a minute to think about what you want to do with the tune and stuff like that. And I feel like if the chat is also there, sort of taking a bunch of your time and energy that way, it can yeah. sometimes sort of divide your attention too much from the actual tune writing.
1: Yeah, I tuned into um, uh, one of Curse's streams for a bit and he was just straight up ignoring the chat <laughs> and everyone's having <laughs> their own conversation in the chat mm. and he just like didn't even look at it. <laughs> he's just like working on some weird bass sound or something
0: yeah some people do that for sure um i found though even people who are like super popular and have a good following like cursor um if they ignore the
1: chat the stream never seems to do quite as well yeah well it's not as entertaining um, exactly. from like a because i was like in there for a bit and i was like this is cool i want to i want to like say something to him but he just wasn't reading chat so right i kind of like was like, oh, man, I might just go write a song myself or some shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, right? Is like actually making music, like detail-oriented, like nicely mixed, well-produced music, is not actually that interesting of a process. It's like a very monotonous, long, tedious, fucking thing. That yeah, just it's takes pretty a long boring. Time. Yeah, it
1: takes a long time. It does. It definitely like requires a lot of patience. So unless you're like. I don't know, unless you've like rehearsed how to write a song from scratch and then you kind of like do it as a performance on stream, maybe it would be more entertaining like that. But I don't know, man, like you're pretty fast at working. I'm probably even more slower than you are and you're saying like your shit's slow. So like, it's like even more boring to watch me stream.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think um, the, the initial process of starting a song is sort of quick and fun, but then it gets to a point where like, you'll sort of just get stuck listening to a loop right and you'll you'll or at least I will have this realization that okay if I really just want for myself to feel like this is a finished piece of music that I actually want to release really what I have to do is just go in and put all of these little sweeps before like every fucking next drop and like you know put little reverse kicks here and there everywhere and you know, add like little bits of noise to the drops, and and just like all of those yeah. weird little transitional things, and then also just like remove every tiny little bit of resonance that I'm not liking about it. And if I don't do all of those things, it, it just never sounds like a finished, polished piece of music. But that last shit takes a few hours of of time to do, and it's super
1: fucking boring. Yeah, man. Like, and then doing the master and stuff, um, or just well, not the master, but like the mix down more so. Uh, it takes ages. Uh, so what I
0: what I've what I've found. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but like, oh, you're good. What I've found for mixdowns is it's not so much of um a thing that like takes a lot of time because it's a lot of steps, but it's something that takes a lot of time because you have to wait until the next day to listen to it again.
1: Yeah, your ears get tired and bored of the song. It's like, yeah, you do have to wait till the next day. I like, I just finished mastering this track that I wrote with Defunk, and I, I would like do a master and then send it over to like um, the label, which is uh, Westwood recording. So I'm sending it to Nick. And, um, and then he'd like hit me back with some feedback, like, oh, the drums are maybe a bit, uh, like a touch too loud or something and whatever. And then the next day I'd have to like go back to it again. And it took like a week, I would say, to like really dial it in send yeah. it back and forth like a few times. But it sounds way fucking better.
0: Right. Yeah, sometimes, uh, and the reason why I say like it takes a long time in terms of just listening to it the next day or whatever, is because I don't necessarily think that a good mix down is like, some. you know, like you don't have to go in and be like, all right, I have to put Soothe on every channel. I have to, you know, compress every channel. I have to like do these processes to every single channel. Sometimes if you just give your ears a break and come back to it, it's something as simple as like, ah. Oh, the clap's, like, 2 dB too loud and the hi-hats need, like, you know, slightly more yeah. 10k. And then you do it and you're like, fuck, this sounds so much more finished now. Just with those two things.
1: Totally, man. I think the um initial problems with the mix down that I had was everything was way too fucking wide. And uh, I was missing a lot of the low mids um, because of it. And I didn't notice because while I was writing it, I just, like you know, you build a song from the beginning and you kind of build it up and you kind of just like get used to how the synths sound like that. Mm. But yeah, I just, I basically went in and redesigned all the synths so they were less wide and had more low mids and it sounded way fucking better. Right.
0: When you're mixing, do you do like a lot of referencing?
1: Uh, Yeah, like not usually, but I was really, I was <laughs> I went full try hard mode for this <laughs> mix down. Right. Usually I'm kind of just like, oh, that's pretty good. Like I just am like... I feel like I'm pretty confident with how I mix, but you know, I just want to get the song out there before I hate it. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, but, this time I definitely like referenced the song to like some other p- fully produced songs.
0: Yeah. That's something I've found to be almost like the best trick in the book over the last like 12 months or so is, uh, and it's something I never did before because I was, I don't know. I had this like limiting belief of like, Oh, if you compare your shit to anything else and it's going to be less unique or something like that. Oh, um, okay. <clears throat> but I found that, uh, like your brain is just so good at playing spot the difference with things so it's kind of you know if you look at two images it's usually pretty easy to see what's different about those two images and i feel like the same applies to sound like if you a b between um you know some really professionally produced thing that you know sounds good in your sets and you know sounds good on big systems and just sounds great in general yeah and then you just compare it to your song it's it's almost like you can just instantly be like oh yeah the hi-hats are like not loud enough or the synths are too loud or something like that totally man
1: and i i feel like it doesn't even need to sound exactly like the song you're referencing it to but it has to like be comparable right you know like it's okay for the songs to be like mixed down slightly differently if you if creatively you believe this that and the other about your fucking song um but yeah (laughs) It's good to like compare for sure. But uh, anyways. um,
0: Uh, Quite often, and I don't know if you also get this email because you're also an educator. um, I get emailed a lot by people being like, hey, uh, do you have any videos about mixdowns and like how to do mixdowns and mastering? And it's something that I've never really quite figured out how you would teach in a video because it's like, I don't know. It's really one of those things that you need to be sitting in the same room as somebody and be like, okay, can you like very much hear that difference of the thing that I'm doing? Because a lot of people on their headphones and whatnot, um, they're just sort of like, oh, I, I can't hear the, you know, a one decibel difference at 10k or something like that. Yeah. But perhaps a solution to that. Have you ever used a, a program called Truefire by Sonarworks?
1: Um, I have Sonarworks, like reference three or whatever.
0: Okay, I think it actually might
1: be included with that.
0: But um, Sonarworks, really? have this, uh, maybe they have this other program called Trufi, uh, which is integrated, just integrates with your sound card, I, I guess. It just sort of runs in the background, intercepting your system audio. Yeah, yeah, you tell it what headphones you have. So you say like, okay, I'm using, I don't know, Audis, LCDXs, and then uh-huh. it applies the inverse filter of that uh, headphones response. Um, so perhaps, I don't know if you did a mix down or mastering course, you could sort of team up with somebody like Sonarworks and be like, Hey, can we get a discount on the TrueFi thing for people who buy this course? And then they can like learn how to mix and master yeah, by, you know, using this thing.
1: But I agree with you though, like teaching someone how to mix down and master is so tricky because it's like, it depends on the style of music and there's all these like other things to consider. Like what, like, especially with the style of music, because there's like, mix down decisions that you might do to depending on the fucking type of music you're writing. Like if you're writing, I don't know, like I might say like, Hey, here's how you get your drums to sound way more punchy, but you might not want fucking punchy drums in like a, like a chill song or something like that.
0: Right. Like yeah. Somebody slam, else might be like, yeah, yeah. Somebody else might be like, Oh, th- this is how to make your drums sound shitty and pokey or something.
1: Yeah. Like it's so and like mixed down is sort of it's really blurry and gray it's a gray area between like what creative decisions and um and like technical like decisions i guess
0: yeah like aesthetic choice and stuff like that yeah um i've noticed that in a lot of sort of future-based stuff there's like this kind of and and a lot of lo-fi stuff too um they'll use like way more noise and distortion and like shitty sort of dusty breaks and shitty like distorted kick drums and like really lo-fi like mono sounding clap samples and shit like that but it, it like suits the style really well but from yeah. a traditional standpoint where you're you know let's say you compared it to like psytrance mixdowns or something like that it's like you you would look at both and from from like a almost objectively technical standpoint be like that one is way worse but stylistically it makes total sense
1: yeah man totally like and there's like if you kind of look at the history of one genre for example like drum and bass you know the the aim and break or just like little like things that kind of define the genre or just like pieces of history of that genre that like although they might be shitty and outdated or whatever you kind of throw them in there to sort of have a little nod. Like pay your respects to like <laughs> the people that defined the genre and stuff, and like I don't know, I I just keep thinking about like Trippy Turtle and like the bed squeaks and shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say that. So, um, for those listening who don't already know, uh, there's a style of music called Jersey Club, and the guy who sort of got the biggest in it. Uh, in the recent years, has been this dude, Trippy Turtle. And yeah, there's this one bed squeak sample. It's just like, rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah, he puts in like every song as the driving kind of subdivision. Like it, it basically replaces a hi
1: hat, I suppose. Yeah. And then there's the fo fo farty sample, right? And, Which just uh, came
0: from like a YouTube video. Of two, yeah. <laughs> two people fighting each other or something or rap that battling. Was, yeah.
1: It's a rap battle. And this guy's like, he fucking starts choking and he just like stumbles on his words and accidentally says, four four, four, five, <laughs> <laughs> get, 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 check, check, check somebody or some shit. <laughs> right. It's so funny. And then there's like the water drop sample mm-hmm. and like that same riser that they always use in every fucking, before
0: every drop. There's also a lick that Trippy Turtle always uses, the one that goes, dun, 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 dun. it's like this sort of upward, uh, sorry, downward arpeggio.
1: Oh, true. Yeah, it's weird how like, it's so weird how that's kind of, he he just like really defined the fucking, like, it's like calling cards or something. I don't even know how to describe all that stuff. Oh, it's a signature. Yeah,
0: yeah, signature. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have it. I mean, you know, like Michael Jackson had his dance moves and his little, uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <And, Woo>! Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And now it's <laughs> like, if anybody else does that shit, they're like, yeah, everyone else is like, oh, it's Michael Jackson's thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if you put bed squeaks in your song, it's like, come on, man, you're not tripping turtle, are you?
0: <laughs> but
1: yeah. it's also it's also sort of like, I think other people have done bed squeaks in their songs, but they're sort of like identifying with the Jersey Shore. Uh, I think stuff like that Jersey is Club. interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think stuff like that is interesting though because when somebody has a signature, right? Like let's say somebody must have been the first person to use the arm and break, right? Yeah. But then it's kind of like, whoever was the first person to use it uh, uh, obviously other than the winston brothers um (laughs) who used it in like drum and bass it's not like they really own it right like that belongs to drum and bass now yeah yeah it's almost like trippy turtle like doesn't own the bed squeak like that belongs to jersey club now
1: yeah even though he sort of like pioneered it but like with the michael jackson example like i don't know does he own like the word shamona whatever whatever that fucking word is <laughs> that he always says
0: uh i mean i don't know if he owns who i think uh the who owns who does he own,
1: does he <laughs> does he own the moonwalk i don't know but yeah i get what you're saying mm. it's yeah. kind of like i hope one day that like well here's I,
0: the here's the difference um is that like the moonwalk didn't then transpose itself into an entire genre like the arm and break or the jersey club squeak right it's like yeah. it was kind of just heavily used by that one guy
1: yeah true i kind of hope that like one day i do something in, with music that that then becomes like known f- as part of the genre of music that i am writing or something you know like i don't know maybe i have some kind of influence or have had some kind of influence on how people write glitch hop music Oh, funky, you for sure have. I mean,
0: oh, definitely by proxy of being an educator, you for sure have, um, and probably oh, yeah. from, from your music as well. But uh, I, um, yeah, I wonder what it requires to have that kind of influence. I feel like it, it must require like having a fair bit of confidence in doing something new and weird and interesting and unique. Like for instance, I would never, I think, in a million years, thought. Oh, I'm just gonna rinse this fucking bedspring sample in every time. <laughs> like that's just not a thing. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, I just
1: like commits so heavily to like one fucking bedspring sample.
0: Yeah, and it's like not even a high five. Sa- hey YouTube, hey stop meowing. Dude, <laughs> Your cat, cat,
1: I can hear him, he's hey. losing his shit.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. She's uh she's oh, just she- walking around the yeah, she she's just walking around the room looking at the walls, meowing at them. I don't really understand why. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, sometimes, yeah, the, the bed spring sample, it's not even, like, a good sample, right? Like, if I was going to rinse a sample, I would, like, pick something that sounded really hi-fi and nice, I guess.
1: Yeah, like, get some bed springs yourself and, like, record it, like, from multiple <laughs> angles.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, make them all bespoke and shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it... It must take some some level of committing to something, and that happens as well with memes, right? Like you see certain people, for instance, my buddy Squanto, he'll commit to like certain uses of words, like um, the word "normal." He'll on his social media call everything normal. Like for instance, Donald Trump will make like some tweet where he's saying some shit about how if, you know he really respects uh, the company, uh, the country of Turkey, but if they in any way uh, go uh, go behind his back or anything he'll just absolutely destroy their economy and then like squanto will retweet it and be like oh t- normal tweet
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah
0: <laughs> and you know from just overusing that word for the last two years or whatever on social media everyone sort of associates that shit with him but normal obviously doesn't mean normal in that context
1: maybe that's like kind of where this whole bedspring and faux samples come from it was like mostly a joke to begin with but then people just because it's like, you know when you have an inside joke with someone, it's sort of like you feel like you're in on it and you're like part of it. Like maybe that's sort of like what happened, what Trippy Turtle created. Yeah, and then like maybe some buddies of his started doing it as well and it just started like a yeah. lot of movement. Like a little, like, almost as a troll but then become kind of half serious about it but it's still sort of funny as well. I don't know, it's cool. It's interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, cultural movements in general are for sure interesting to think about and you see that happening in all sorts of, I mean, it's been happening for fucking a long time, you know, people making tools and the development of agriculture and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's
1: all oh, man. speaking of tools. Like um, when I was in Hollywood for the Ableton loop conference, I saw um, Steve Duda do a little like talk mm-hmm. and, and he was talking about how he's fucking writing meta music by, by writing a, that by creating a, a tool that everyone uses to write music with, he's like like um, really shaped the way music sounds now in a in a real profound way. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, he's definitely had like a huge, huge, huge influence on music. <clears throat> yeah, just by music
1: m- in general, man.
0: Right, just just by making that plugin specifically. Um, yeah, I watched that talk on Ableton's YouTube channel after yeah. the fact so he was on um ill gates's podcast the other day oh cool he, <laughs> he had this funny um, uh, analogy so you know how like um somebody came up to him and they were like hey man i pirated your plug-in uh but you know hope hope you don't mind <laughs> like, <laughs> and then asked him some like question about the plugin, and he was just like why would you like tell me that it's the weirdest thing to, to tell me and yeah. then he was thinking about plug-in piracy and what it's like and he decided that it's not like actual theft because you know when you steal something like let's say I go to the shop and steal a can of coke um, then that shop no longer has that can of coke and I then have that can of coke right like it's a like physical possession that is now not in somebody else's possession and is now in my possession whereas when you pirate a plug-in it's now like if I pirated serum which I did not but if I did it would be in my possession, but it's not like it would no longer be in Steve Duda's possession. <clears throat> yeah. So his analogy was, it's like going up to somebody and telling them that you jerked off to pictures of their girlfriend. Because <laughs> 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 he was like, you know, it's not like I don't have my girlfriend anymore, but it just feels like it's a like something of it has been taken away from me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, like he's a he's so funny that guy. Fucking. Hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was a good analogy.
0: But also, the crazy thing is that like he came from an engineering background of you know producing rock records, and I think him and Deadmau5 like produced a, some of the, some Nine Inch Nails records back in the day. And like, they, wow, yeah, they him both him and Deadmau5 were both like I think they mainly came from like you know, producing music for other people before yeah. they came into their own worlds. And then Steve Duda had like no programming background. <laughs> yeah man he's just like yeah so you can just download the sdk pack from steinberg's website so he just downloaded that and then tried to figure out how to get it to compile and then sort of taught himself how to program from
1: there i respect that so much because like that's how i fucking taught myself everything i know as well man like all everything about ableton and everything i know about music production i just like taught myself or or asked friends or looked it up online But, but essentially like I didn't go to school or anything I just kind of like figured it out because I wanted to know so bad how to do it all
0: yeah so So. that's actually one thing like I have a list of notes here of stuff that I wanted to talk about with you and one of the things on that list is how you learn new things because I feel like you're one of those people that can just pick any new thing up and just figure out how to do it and that's like a really sick skill to have and it's a skill that I don't think I have uh at least not as much as you do where I can just like pick a new thing up and just learn it really well because for me with ableton i learned like most of it myself but a huge chunk of my like audio theory knowledge and uh production tricks and 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 just random little bits and pieces of information came from university
1: yeah right true um thanks for the compliment man
0: (laughs) yeah of course i mean i've seen you do it with so many things like i've seen you do it with um i mean obviously like ableton but also like video editing like you know you just picked up whatever it was final cut or resolve or something and uh, pre- you know, premiere premiere yeah and got yeah. really good at that and like i assume you made
1: uh the intro yourself in like after effects or something like that i didn't actually but i have done some other stuff in after effects like if you look at the videos for uh, my youtube album on my youtube channel the there's like this dude who's like f- got four arms and he's. Um, floating in the clouds with a bunch of gear, and right. sort of animated to the music. Um, okay. I did that in After Effects. Oh, nice!
0: Yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm now. Now I'm in quarantine. I'm trying to get better at it. Um, and I find a lot of it, uh, a lot of what was holding me back from learning new skills was just patience. Like I need to just give myself a solid. Because I, I don't know, I'm pretty bad at being like, all right, I want to learn a new thing like Blender or something, right? Which I am learning right now. And I'll like download the program, install it, open it, take a little look at it and be like, oh, this is pretty fucking complicated. And then I'll take a look at a manual and be like, oh, this is too much. And then I'll just like shut it. And then just not not think about it again for a while, which is definitely not a good way to learn things. You need to be both
1: patient and
0: also persistent, right?
1: I think like, the best way to learn something is to like come up with a project that seems like pretty achievable, like a really simple project um, that you kind of like are really interested to do. Like you're really invested in doing it. Like maybe in blender, you just, you just want to know how to make a, your Mr. Bill logo 3d. Um, and then just render that out or something. And that's, like, a really simple thing to do, I assume. I don't know. I've never used Blender.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, then, that's – yeah, totally not too yeah. hard to do.
1: and then they kind of work backwards from there. Like, well, first of all, like, what kind of file type do I need to have my logo in to import it? And, like, how do I import it? And then sort of, like, go go from the beginning until you reach that, like, goal and complete the project. And, like, o- along the way, you sort of figure out a bunch of things – Um. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of how I approach learning new things, um, like f- with woodworking, for example. I I haven't done a lot of woodworking, but I built the desk in my studio, and it was kind of just like a, you know, I had a project in mind, and then I just sort of worked backwards from there. Like, what do I, where do I buy wood from, and what kind of tools do I need, and shit, and just yeah, kind of just have a project in mind and then kind of think about how to get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, trying to learn max MSP or max for live really for a long last time. And every time I like ask somebody about it, they're always just like, yeah, you just need to have like a, you know, you need to have a problem that you want to solve that can't be solved any other way and then make it.
1: Yeah. I would really like to learn uh, max for live. And actually I dived a little bit into it and ended up making this thing that I really wanted to make. Basically, it's a I called it the spectral subtractor and essentially you can you you have two channels in Ableton and then you can send both channels into two different inputs of the of the Max for Live device, which will be on a third channel, yeah. And then what the Max for Live device does is it takes a look at the first channel and Negatively applies; um, it's like real-time spectrum to the to the second channel, so you are basically subtracting A from B,
0: right? Like, and this is designed to be a mix tool that kind of
1: carves out the exact space necessary to have another sound sitting in the mix, or it can be for whatever you want it to be. But what I wanted to do with it was um, take a full song with the vocals and then the instrumental, and be left with the vocals. So creating like DIY acapellas.
0: Uh, okay. So Jan actually made a, a Max for Live device recently called Splitter, which it, which does that basically. So you know how um, Accusonus Regroover works where you can yeah, put yeah, a yeah. sample in and it like spectrally sort of splits them apart in, into four stems?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. She, did she do that for vocals?
0: Uh, she did that. So there's this company called Deezer from France. Uh, they're like a big streaming network, kind of like Spotify or iTunes or something like yeah, that. Teaser. Yeah, I <clears> know <throat> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so they developed this uh, open source AI shit called Splitter. And basically uh, you can host it on a web server somewhere and then send audio to it and it will split it into four stems. Uh, so it'll split it into drums, bass, other and vocals. Wow, and and Jan figured out a way to put that into a Max device, <laughs> and, and she um, oh cool. She actually did it in like a day, and the way that she did it was she's really good at JavaScript, and yeah. there's something in Max for Live called uh, JS Node, and you can actually just write uh-huh. JavaScript directly in Max, and then just hit the script with a bang button. <laughs> so it's basically just I think a bang button that runs into a script. Yeah. Uh, And you have to install a VM and the VM is called Docker. So it's basically like a virtual machine that runs already on your Windows machine or Mac that has all of like the Python shit installed and JavaScript shit installed or whatever's necessary to make this splitter thing work. Oh, I
1: see. So like all the like packs that like it requires...
0: Yeah. So, so the easiest way to install it is install the VM that has everything you need. And then you just put splitter on a channel, hit it, and then it accesses that VM and splits a tune into four stems. It's pretty fucking impressive.
1: That's awesome. Um, I feel like she could just make that into a website.
0: Oh, I mean you could, but like, this is just a way you could do it in Ableton. It actually probably would be way easier to do as a
1: website, but yeah. Instead of having like an app or something, but man, that's so cool. I want to try that out. Can you fucking Show me that shit after we finish this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for anybody listening, if they want to use it, um, type into Google Azuki Bandcamp Splitter, and you'll find it because oh, she's wow. just selling it on her Bandcamp for a dollar.
1: Oh man, she's rad. Oh, and by the way, uh, uh, I saw um it was like you guys' anniversary or something.
0: Oh no, it was her birthday. Oh, yeah, her birthday. Yeah. 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 Yep, but, yep, she's crushing it. Nice. So I guess like going back to learning new stuff, uh, I'd I'd like to talk about I guess like your routines and stuff like that because I feel like learning sort of takes time out of your day, right? So it's something that you a have to be excited and passionate about doing, but it also has to be something that you're willing to give away some of your time to to get that skill in return. So um, do you have like some sort of routine or structure with your life where you sort of wake up and then like dedicate X amount of you know, hours or a certain time of the day each day to to learning a new skill or how, how do you how do you
1: manage yourself in general I guess mm. is the question I mean I wish I was like that organized and sometimes I I have like bursts of trying to organize my life like that and I have varying degrees of success with it Usually, like, if you're asking about my, like, whole routine or whatever, it's pretty much just wake up, eat food, and then try to put as many hours in as I can to do with, like, music or anything, really, just to do with, like, my career or whatever. Something that isn't just fucking wasting time, like, playing video games or whatever. (laughs) And, like, so um, my whole deal is, like, I try to measure the success of a day, any given day, um, by looking at the number of hours that I put in. And if I put in all the hours that I wanted to put in, which is usually like not too crazy, like six to eight hours, I would call a successful day. Um, And then by, by framing it like that, like, yes, I put my hours, I showed up for work and I put my hours in. By framing it like that, I kind of avoid feeling bad about like, Let's say I, I sit down and try to write a song, and the song turns out like shit. Then that might feel like a failure if I look at it like that, like the pro, the thing that I made today is sucks, you know. Um, and I might feel bad about that. But if I look at it like, hey, I showed up for work and did a solid day's work and everything like that, then that's a that's a win. You know what I mean?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I try. I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily look at the success of a day on how many hours I put in so much as how much I got done, I think. And also, I guess, how how I feel has a lot to do with my success. Like, if I feel happy, I'm like, that's successful. I feel pretty good.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, the thing, like, getting stuff done feels good. Um, But, yeah, like, sometimes, like, as far as, like, learning shit and experimentation and stuff, if you spend all day learning and experimenting, it might feel like you've actually achieved nothing, but you have kind of like achieved like, a, I don't know, more knowledge or something like that. Um, totally, yeah.
0: I mean, you don't always need a product at the end of it to yeah. have, have done something. So what I've found is to, to get that feeling of I've actually done something and I feel good about my day is I have a task manager. So it's just, I just use Microsoft to do and... I pretty much just write down, like I'll sit there in the morning on my phone in bed usually just thinking about all the shit I want to get done that day and I'll just write it all in a a list. And then I'll wake up and I'll just sort of group it into like, okay, all of this shit is me sitting in a computer. All of this shit is like cleaning. All of this shit is like stuff I have to go out to do. So I'll just sort of group all of those into things and then I'll just tick them off as I do them. And then even if none of it's music or product creation or content creation related stuff, I'll get to the end of the day and if I'm like, oh, fuck, did I even do anything today? If I look back at that task list, I'm like, oh yeah, I did like all of these things. And if you just break your day down more granularly, you can actually just get more dopamine hits by ticking off more tasks I've found. So you can just, you know, like if you, like you said before, learning something, you need to break down the steps to do it. So you could write on your task list, learn new thing and then just tick that off, right? Or you could write on your task list, learn new thing with the sub-steps of, uh, you know, go to the website, click on this thing, uh, read this PDF, um, install this thing. And then, like, if you tick all those off, you'll it'll actually feel like you did more.
1: Totally. I agree with you. And I think, like, reflecting on the day is a good way to kind of congratulate yourself. Like, if you just, at the end of the day, you're brushing your teeth before bed or something and you think back on the day and what you did, and just kind of try to remember all the you know things that you did and how like how you achieved those things is a good way to do it. but I think like maybe spe- like you can get into like you have to find this balance between like spending fucking ages, like making lists and shit, and like not spending enough time um doing the things. well so- here's what
0: I found um I found that uh if you make a list of stuff to do. like let's say you spend 10 minutes at the start of the day making a list but then you have no downtime between tasks it actually makes you more productive because if you don't have a list you do task number one right like let's say I I wake up in the morning I'm like oh I gotta answer that email by the time I like come to my computer and answer that email I like kind of forget what else I have to do so then I'll sit there for like probably 10 minutes anyway thinking And then be like, oh yeah, I got to do that. And then I'll like do that. And then I'll sit there again for like another 10 minutes thinking and then be like, oh yeah, fuck, I got to do that. And then like, you know, before I know it, I've just wasted like 30 to 40 minutes in, in the intervals between the tasks, just thinking about the next thing I have to do. Whereas if I spend that 10 minutes of constructive and uninterrupted time making a daily list, I can, you know, knock out five or six tasks in half the
1: time because I didn't take a
0: break in between any of them.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I just think um, you have to be sort of careful with writing lists because it can work against you as well. Like, if you write down a bunch of things, and then you don't get all of them done, or you don't get as many as you thought you could do done, then you can almost feel like the day is being a failure, or you've been lazy or something like that. But I mean, for the most part, you're probably right. Writing a list out and then like having a more like focused or structured approach to a day is probably better, but that's not to say that it would work for everyone who's listening. Right.
0: Yeah. I found it to be like pretty essential actually in quarantine because I sort of had like an inherent routine, uh, when I was touring, like through the week, I'd go to the gym and stuff and, you know, I'd have all of these things I was doing and then, you know, be writing music throughout the day and, and a little bit at night and, then on the weekends I'd be touring and you know that kind of just inherently imparted this structure on my life but then with the quarantine stuff I've had like all of that removed so um, it's super easy I think to get like to just waste days and just like sit around doing nothing which I did do for like the first few weeks of quarantine
1: yeah I mean I've kind of been doing that as well (laughs) but I've also done a little bit of work like I put a few YouTube videos out. i got this song finished. It's coming out soon on Westwood, but, um, I'm tr- also trying to not be too hard on myself. Like, you know, this is like unprecedented times. It's pretty stressful and pretty like anxiety driven times. So, uh, and you know, I try not to be like too hard on myself. Cause usually I am pretty hard on myself. And, um, when I get really fired up and I have a fucking perfect structure and, um, really good work ethic. Uh, I can write a whole fucking album in, in two and a half months. So, yeah, but I know what you mean, man. Like I really missed the rock climbing gym. I was like, that was really like breaking up my week and giving me a little bit of socializing. I go to the rock climbing gym like once every three days and then come home, work on music, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, you have a show coming up, so you've got to work towards that et cetera, et cetera. Right, like having these deadlines is kind of useful. Yeah, deadlines for sure.
0: One thing I found interesting is like almost every artist I talk to has this, um, for lack of a better word, problem of basing a lot of their self-worth on their productivity.
1: Yeah, um, there's definitely some people that I know that um, base their self-worth on just, yeah, their output is for sure.
0: Well, I mean, you do, right? Like, I mean, what you're telling me is that if you don't get enough done, you feel bad and you feel like your day's a failure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just f- sort of feel guilty sometimes. But I think that's part, like you kind of have to be like that a little bit. Because if I was totally cool and chill um, about me not be, m- not doing any work at all, then I would never get any work done. So I have to almost, I have to be my own boss and that, be my own boss Requires like micromanaging my staff and being like, hey, like your productivity is fucking down. You should feel bad about that staff member. And then. Right, and he, you're
0: saying this staff member is like an internal part of yourself.
1: Yeah. It's like me that like writes the music or does the work or whatever. Right, right. So, so I'm like, oh, my boss is coming down hard on me. Like I better not slack like, off and play <laughs> video games. Like I should probably do some work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're saying it's like a, a necessary mechanic uh, to be I would a self employed so. independent musician.
1: Yeah um, unless you have like a manager who is sort of like giving you a structure and giving you deadlines, you sort of, you have to do that yourself. And then you have to feel bad when you don't meet those deadlines. Otherwise, I don't know, like you can't just be chill about it all the time. You gotta fucking, yeah. I don't know. F- for me, like I, I, when I get too chill about stuff and too like lazy about stuff, I, I find I I almost need to like beat myself up a bit and be like, hey, you lazy cunt, like do something. (laughs) And then I get back on track.
0: I don't know how many people have managers like that though who would like micromanage their life in that way. Um, Even huge artists I know. um, In fact, more often the huge artists I know, uh, if I spend time around them, what I realize is they just fucking work harder than every other artist I know actually. It's not like they have better management who's doing more stuff for them. In fact, it's them who are like just calling their management and micromanaging their team more aggressively than most people I know. Yeah. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like definitely huge artists that I've spent time with on the phone with their managers constantly and like, yeah having phone calls like 10 times a day and and they're you know only allowing themselves like two days of studio time a week and then that studio time is like extremely focused time I'm super I'm pretty fucking bad with not having focused studio time like I'll be in the studio and I'll be working like Ableton will be open and I'll be clicking shit but like I'll also have social media and emails open in the background constantly also checking them yeah yeah and what I notice and I specifically noticed this uh, in the last like week or whatever, because I started smoking weed again. And oh, true. Yeah, it was giving me anxiety for a long time. And now I've like found a few strains and um, smoking the Pax Pen and shit. And I found that it uh, for some reason feels great. Uh, cool. So I found that when I smoke weed, looking at Facebook and Gmail and all that shit it just seems like so fucking gross and worky. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here. And being in Ableton feels like really. F- free and explorative and, and time sort of disappears in there which is really sick yeah so I found smoking weed at night after I've done all the administrative crap in the day has been really helpful lately because I can just go into Ableton and then before I know it I'm like oh fuck it's like one thirty in the morning I should probably go to bed yeah <laughs> I won't necessarily even get that much shit done but it'll just feel like I've you know had a lot of folk I I don't know I feel like focused production time or focused work time is very different to unfocused work time
1: yeah that's true um yeah if I feel like if I'm writing a song or doing something in Ableton and I just pick up my phone and have a look at it like all fucking momentum goes out the window you know like all the ideas that I had that I was about to act on i just disappear and stuff so yeah i actually don't really have that problem when i'm working on stuff um i find it pretty easy to just completely ignore social media and emails and stuff and i don't know about you but uh i tend to be in the studio immediately after eating breakfast and be working on music um, Um, in the morning and then in the evening i check emails messages notifications and stuff like that because it's just like Stuff like that doesn't require like a much focus. You can just be like, Yeah, I'll do that tomorrow, blah, 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 whatever. Here, I sign this document, la la la. Yeah,
0: I'm sort of the opposite. I think I, I get up and I like eat and then sit around for a bit and then maybe go for a walk and then eat some food and clean the house a bit and do some emails and shit and then you know, eat like dinner or something. And then I I'll usually like start fucking around. On music at like 8 or 9 p.m at night and then work until like midnight or one
1: crazy yeah i have like a hard deadline or not deadline but like a hard cutoff for me because if i don't have a hard cutoff time then i f- i find i'll just i'll either work and just forget to like eat and and I'll, it'll be like 10 p.m and i'll be like fuck i'm starving and like i really need to to go to the bathroom right like what what happened to the fucking time so i have an alarm on my phone it goes off at 5 p.m every day and that's my like signal to stop working and it's nice to have that because if also during the day i feel like i might want to give up um and just like go fuck it i'm not getting anything done today like i can't focus like this is not working this song sucks um and just bail on it i'll look at the time and be like well you know it's only three o'clock i've got like two more hours of work to do so i'll just like stick with it and then at five i can fucking go play video games so that's kind of how i approach it you know it's kind of like a time it's because i think like i personally i need like uh time to work and also time to chill and if i don't have that balance um i'm just unhappy and stressed out
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's important to find balance. I think I've just found balance in the opposite kind of way where it's like my day that's chill. (laughs) And then my night
1: is like... Yeah, Yeah, man, whatever works for you, eh? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I go through phases too. Like when I was in Spain and teaching uh, at that college, I only had like a couple of days off a week. And one of those days I had to spend grading. So I I was basically like, it was like kind of the first time I'd
1: ever had a structured job uh when was this i I don't remember you telling me about this
0: oh it was um early 2019 so last year oh true uh, yeah roughly this time last year i was in valencia teaching the master's program of sound design at berkeley um which is actually in Kanti's job he developed the master's program there and he lives there full-time teaching it and that's fucking uh, badass dude (laughs) yeah it was sick he, he basically was like oh, i want to take a bit of a break and do some shows and travel and see friends and shit like that so do you want to take my job for like two months and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> sick dude so so i took over his apartment in spain for two months and taught oh, like wow. I, was a, I was a professor teaching a master's degree at a college I was, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, holy was pretty, shit
0: yeah it was crazy but um due to the structure of that job uh I kind of found myself writing music either more in the mornings or just on my days off. And I kind of like that structure a little bit, to be honest.
1: Yeah, um, definitely more of a morning person. I feel like my ears are fresher
0: too in the morning. Oh, they for sure are. Yeah, if you go outside and like you're walking around and there's cars driving by and stuff like that, they, that'll sort of wear your ears out a little bit during the day as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I tend to like, like uh, I'll do my workouts in the evening or in the afternoon and then eat dinner after that sort of thing. So, nice. What kind of yeah. uh,
0: workouts are you doing during quarantine?
1: Um, lately, I've just been like trying to do 10 minutes or half an hour or something of cardio to warm up. And I've been doing like 10 minutes of jumping jacks, but I'm kind of getting bored of that. So,
0: Like you'll do 10 minutes straight of jumping jacks?
1: Well, I'll do 30 seconds of jumping jacks and then 30 second plank and then 30 seconds of jumping jacks and then 30 seconds of like something else to do with your abs and then... I usually just do like – I'll start – the goal is to get to 10, but I'll start at 8 and do 8 push-ups, 8 sit-ups, 8 chin-ups, and then 8 lunges on each leg and then do that again but with 7 and then 6 and go down to like 1.
0: Nice. Yeah, I've been – rotating between there's this fucking giant hill near my house (laughs) uh and what i'll do is just like walk down it and then walk back up it but it's like it's like a severely i don't know it's like i don't know half a mile or a a mile maybe but it's like i don't know what what kind of incline it's insane man it's so steep (laughs) um just walking up it is like fucked so i'll do that uh i did that this morning uh i have a little
1: backpack and i put my cat in it and then like, <laughs> <No down. way. laughs> yeah, there's, there's like a little, uh, there's a
0: little window she can oh, see fuck, out of Oh fuck,
1: no way. I want a fucking backpack like that for my cat.
0: Dude, I, I shit you not. Like if you are single and you want a girlfriend, just go, <laughs> go for like a walk every day with a cat in a backpack. <laughs> Dude, literally like every group of, or well, not, well, it's not groups anymore, but before like the quarantine, I was walking down the main street around my house with youtube every now and then and literally every like group of girls you walk past they're like oh
1: my god (laughs) and they're just like stoked youtube's a good wing man huh or wing woman
0: yeah pretty much and then i've been riding my bike a bit as well but i have an e-bike so it's not really like working out it's kind of (laughs) um I (laughs) i was actually riding around the other day i rode dude for my birthday i rode across the golden gate bridge and back over it was fucking pretty sweet sick and this guy stopped me in the park and was like hey do you even like get a workout at all riding that thing? Like he kind of asked me in a pretty pompous way. Yeah. And, I'll, and I was like, uh, nah, man, if you want to work out, don't buy this bike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's kind of a dick question. Like how he's like assuming that you're using the yeah, bike to work out. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. That's
0: absolutely not why I ride an e-bike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like you have an e-bike just to like get around and shit, right?
0: Pretty much. And like San Francisco, it's honestly like a really small city. So, um, having an e-bike. Oh is, yeah.
1: You live in San Francisco now. Oh
0: yeah, dude. It's yeah. Where did you think the Golden Gate Bridge was?
1: Oh, like, yeah, I know it was in San Francisco, but I was just, I just remembered like, cause I, you've lived in Denver for so long. I just kind of always remember you live in Denver, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I kind of got over Denver. I mean, <clears throat> that's not why I moved here is because I was over Denver. I moved here to be in a relationship, but Yeah. I don't know. Like I, now that I live here and then think back on Denver, I I do think of Denver in a fond way and I really do miss it. And, uh, you know, I'm keen to go back and visit every now and then and stuff, but kind of thinking about like a lot of the shit that's good about San Francisco makes Denver seem somewhat mids. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know, it's always in the winter, super cold and in the summer, super hot. Um, remember when we
1: went to that fucking rock expo (laughs) oh
0: yeah man saw some lit rocks oh yeah we saw some great rocks (laughs) when we went to that rock
1: show (laughs) fuck yeah (laughs) actually Um, saw some rocks
0: yeah Uh, the one good thing about denver the thing that i'll give denver that's like sicker than any other city is if you're super into electronic music and you want to go to an electronic music show every single night of the week that's the place to do it nice because there's just there's like 10 venues there that just all do electronic music almost exclusively and they all have shows almost every night of the week wow that's insane yeah that sounds good it is crazy if
1: you're into that shit but um i mean san francisco is pretty close to where i'm at now like vancouver i feel like i could get a bus to san francisco yeah you probably could i mean
0: it's how, how much further north are you than seattle I think you can get a bus from Vancouver to Seattle and it takes like four hours, man. Okay, well, from Seattle to down here, it'd be like a 12-hour bus at least.
1: Oh, shit, really? Fuck. I
0: think, yeah, it's pretty
1: far. So, um, yeah, you you mentioned that you moved there for a relationship. Yeah. Um, Shit, I didn't know that. Like, do you guys live together now or what's going on?
0: No, so um, Jan lives with her other boyfriend and... We kind oh, of yeah? like spend 50% of the time together and 50% of, the, of our time not together. So she'll come here for like at the moment in quarantine. It's kind of weird because um, of the whole, you know, so, uh, going right. between houses is a little bit sketchy. Right. Uh, but generally when we're not doing a quarantine thing, she'll be here for a day and then I'll or yeah, we'll hang out for like a day and then she'll hang out at our other house for a day and so on and so forth. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Have you ever done the the poly relationship
1: thing? Um, yeah, I am kind of doing that right now.
0: Nice. What do you think of it?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's, it, yeah, you're just trying it out. Like, uh, so far, so good. So, um, yeah, um, I want to talk to you about this, like, not publicly, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we don't have to get into it, but, um, the thing I like about it and what I th- think about it, <clears throat> cause a lot of people I think who haven't done it uh maybe don't have like um the right view on it and and i definitely didn't have the right view on it when i used to be in monogamous relationships i was always just like oh this is just people who have like commitment issues and people who are just like you know overly horny and just want to have sex with everyone and you yeah know, just promiscuous people are basically the types of people who would get into these kinds of relationships right um but now i kind of think about it in terms of uh it's just you you're basically both just um agreeing to have a more honest relationship, right? Where both people agree to just tell each other more of the things that they're doing, Uh, which I think is just more admirable because a lot of people who get stuck in these, um, you know, monogamous relationships often don't enjoy them and they often end up just cheating on their partners anyway. Um, Yeah. so So I guess with a poly relationship, you just agree to non-judgmentally talk about those things and to you you also both agree or not not agree but like there's also the benefit of not having to end relationships to start new ones.
1: Yeah. Um I think yeah, I think um sometimes not to like trash talk monogamous people or monogamy in general but one thing to to consider that that I didn't consider um, at first is that, um, monogamy can sometimes give you a false sense of security where you feel like, I don't know. Yeah. I got the girl so I can like chill and just like start taking over granted now (laughs) or, and vice versa. Like she might just sort of like start being lazy with the relationship in general. Um, and yeah, it kind of gives you a false sense of security. Um, maybe like I'm not saying everyone's like that. But, uh, also like, yeah, like with, uh, the poly thing, uh, it kind of requires a heightened level of communication, honest and open communication, which just makes relationships in general better. Um, and so you could probably take a lot of the lessons, um, and theories or whatever from poly relationships and apply them to a monogamous relationship and have a happier relationship. Right. But, um. I don't know man like I'm pretty uh independent um person and I like my freedom so it's sort of like working for me
0: yeah yeah no I agree with that as well I, I feel like I'm um, being in this relationship it's like kept me on my toes a little more and um yeah I definitely don't get that I, I know what you're talking about with that false sense of security
1: yeah it's not yeah. any more secure than um any other relationship like just because you're in a monogamous relationship doesn't mean this girl is going to, you know, or your partner is going to like fall out of love with you at any moment or f- meet someone new that like excites them and, you know, those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, just just like the heightened like communication is so fucking important for every relationship that exists and not enough people like know how to communicate right? or, or have like the, like the self-confidence or whatever to, to say what they really mean and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've, I've also been in monogamous setups in the past too, where um, it gets to a point where I'm like, I don't want to break up with this person, but I really want to be with this other person or vice versa. The opposite has also happened to me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I like the fact that in, in a poly setup, you don't have to make the choice, but it also comes at the cost of like having to deal with obviously jealousy and dealing with any of those other feelings that might come up because just because you decide to be poly, it doesn't make your feelings go away. Right.
1: Yeah. Have you ever had, uh, any problems with jealousy? Cause I think, um, being jealous is not, um, exclusive to poly relationships. Like you can also feel jealousy in a monogamous committed, like relationship. So. Oh
0: yeah. I get it a lot. Um, I've actually learned to enjoy the feeling, I guess is, to some degree oh okay um, yeah yeah I mean I, I'm not like on the level of cuck holding or anything like that <laughs> but, like, that, sh- that shit seems a little bit intense but um yeah I definitely um yeah I, I feel like I can kind of I know I don't know I've been meditating a lot recently right um and pretty much all meditation is is you just sort of sit there and try to clear your mind and pay attention to things that are coming up and just try to realize that everything is coming into consciousness, like your vision, every sound that you hear, feelings that come up, um, muscle twitches in your body, like anything like that is is literally just things that are coming into your field of consciousness, right? Um, So I try to think about emotion in that way a little bit. And when jealousy comes up or any feeling really, I, I always just try to be cognizant of it and just like observe it and just be like, oh, that's a thing that's coming up right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because like, I mean, jealousy is sort of a negative emotion, but um that doesn't mean you can't kind of deal deal with it and act on the emotion in a like a you know a res- like a mature, kind of level headed, uh, adult way. <laughs> like <clears throat> a lot of people, like when you think like jealousy, you think you're gonna like slash someone's tires and shit. <laughs> but um, well
0: that's that's somebody who's yeah i mean i can see how like somebody would go from oh i feel this way to you are the cause of the problem i'm gonna slash your tires but that's like such a fucking immature way to deal with your problems
1: yeah and oftentimes like um just talking with your partner is kind of resolve these feelings or at least you know if if your partner cares about you then they'll try to help you through the feelings and try to be try to assist you and stuff like that so yeah
0: right yeah that's something I've noticed a lot actually is um yeah if I uh if I feel excluded from from things and it feels like somebody's trying to be vindictive to me and and uh do things without me and not just like and it feels like they they don't care about my feelings and stuff that's when I'll sort of feel jealous but if I feel involved in some way and they'll like talk to me about it and all of that sort of stuff I generally feel pretty okay about it so yeah again I, I think that yeah communication pretty much solves it
1: yeah that's that's true man definitely feeling um like you're not part of something or there's secrets and hidden things that you don't know anything about like that's yeah that can give bring up some jealousy Because your brain sort of just goes to like the worst place first, because that's kind of what you're trained to do.
0: Yeah. I So I thought about that the other day. I was like, I always imagine, um, these like crazy scenarios in my head if I don't know what the truth is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about it and I was like, oh, it's probably just because I'm a creative person and, um, And therefore my brain is just making up these like creative things. But then I I brought that up to Jan and she was like, no, that's fucking bullshit because you don't ever think of positive creative situations. You always just think of (laughs) negative (laughs) shit. And I
1: was like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. Maybe that's um, something to practice is like next time you create a scenario in your head that's negative, like try to also create a scenario in your head that's positive. Dude, so I, I... I have actually done this
0: before, um,
1: but I've done this with like
0: logic because I'm always like I'm pretty logically uh, f- fallacious. I don't know like I always come up with logic in my head that se- that is just bullshit and doesn't make any sense. Um, so <laughs> what I'll do sometimes is you know I can't really think of an example like let's say I don't know, but like what I'll do is I'll come up with like some statement in my head. And then I'll try and say the opposite statement in my head to see if it still makes sense. And if it still makes sense, then then the original statement is... Maybe questionable. Or either statement. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, huh. Well, well, no, like if, if both statements make sense. So for instance, if I say like X is true and then I say the opposite in my head, like X is false, if both statements make sense, then, then the logic is
1: true, right? Oh, if both... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I thought so like, instance, like, I, thought like, what like you were, I thought what you were saying was like if X is true, um, then like if you say X is true, and then you also say X is false, and like both of those statements check out, then that would like destroy your logic.
0: Uh, no, <laughs> well, okay. So like, let's say I say um, <laughs> Slink loves me because he's doing my podcast right now, uh, and then I say the opposite thing, like Slink hates me because he's not doing my podcast right now. Um, you know, the first statement is true. The second statement is false. Therefore, the logic is probably true, right?
1: Or I don't know. Yeah, I kind of know what you're saying. That's an yeah, interesting yeah, exercise. I, yeah, we. Yeah, will have, know, these I, are some terrible examples.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, but uh, some, sometimes I'll do that though. Like if something comes up, I'll try and say the opposite thing to myself to see if it still makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a cool idea. Interesting way to think about it um well cool
0: let's talk about video games and then wrap it up
1: <laughs> all right man what have you been playing dude
0: <laughs> uh so i was playing tetris effect on my ps4 for oh a shit
1: i'm a big fan of tetris
0: yeah but you play tetris 99 on the switch right yeah do you have a switch i do but um Ooh. for some reason i couldn't get tetris 99 working and i
1: can't get my switch to connect to the internet what oh hang on what kind of uh wi-fi situation you got going on there you got your like own router just, uh yeah yeah you can't get your switch to connect wait I don't know. Yeah, is, did you I buy the like did you buy the um the online thing you got to buy the thing
0: yeah i i think i did yeah
1: yeah you can
0: connect hmm, i don't know yeah anyway i was i was playing that for a bit and i'm down to play tetris i'm down to try and play tetris 99 with you for sure i'll oh, um, fucking kick your ass mate <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> Um, then I also bought Doom on PS4 and played that for a bit. The
1: new Doom. Oh, the new Doom where you like kind of run up to the monsters and fuck them up. Uh,
0: yep, that's that's also like the old Doom.
1: I haven't uh, played and I haven't played Doom since like the 90s or some shit.
0: <laughs> oh man, Doom's sick. And then I've what else have I played? I have, have you played, played Animal Crossing? Uh, no, my housemate is actually borrowing my Switch at the moment. He bought it, so he's been playing it a lot
1: pretty good it's like the fucking COVID-19 um cure actually
0: yeah that's what I've
1: heard yeah <laughs> um, I, I kind of got also, bored of it
0: though yeah before all of the COVID stuff I was playing a little bit of Breath of the Wild on Switch oh, which is pretty sick
1: it's so fucking good it's an yeah, amazing that's a game
0: g- yeah that was a great game um what else still playing a lot of online chess oh yeah
1: I forgot you you're still playing chess huh What's yeah. your, um, what's your fucking, what are My they called? Rating. Yeah, um, your
0: rating. It's still only around like 11 or
1: 1200. Okay. What kind of games are you playing? Like 30 minute games or?
0: Uh, 10 minutes still. 10 minutes? Yeah. So it's not quite blitz, but not quite classical or whatever. Man,
1: Daily. I had, um, I had a couple of dates with this chick and we played some chess, um, over the board oh analog chess yeah analog chess face to face (laughs) Uh, I hadn't played chess in a while but I fucking wrecked her dude (laughs) but to be fair she was pretty shit man she got smirked dude (laughs) it's just like take all of her it was mean I was like thinking up strategies and I was like I better not do that that's just mean I'm gonna ruin this date dude (laughs) Um, yeah we should play some chess sometime man she would admire your
0: chess blasting skills. <laughs> chess blasting. <laughs> She's like, I had a date with this guy. He was an absolute chess blaster. <laughs> <laughs> absolute chess blaster. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm down to play chess for sure. Actually, that's probably my most frequently played thing. And the other thing is I've
1: played like two games of Counter-Strike since quarantine started, I think. Yeah, nice. I um, re-downloaded StarCraft and had a couple of games, but... I think I like watching StarCraft more than playing it.
0: Yeah, I feel that way about a lot of video games too. It's almost like playing it as effort and also
1: like <laughs> it's sort of more fun to watch somebody who's actually good. Yeah, I just cheer on like some epic dude who's like spent his entire life like practicing. And then you just watch him. And he's like, oh, that strategy's genius or whatever. Yeah, I fucking love esports, man. So yeah, much me too. Than yeah I love that
0: they're also still somewhat um, intact. Uh, even during yeah the quarantine thing yeah totally
1: it's yeah, yeah it's fuck. cool that they survived this and and analog sports did not yeah dude like everyone's mad about like hockey in canada anyway mad about hockey like being cancelled mm. and i'm just over here watching like the uh starcraft 2 gsl <laughs> and they're just playing online or well they have the studio and everything but like no one's allowed in the studio to spectate so everyone just watches online so it's fine. Oh, uh, okay, but all the StarCraft
0: players are still plugged into Ethernet, and they're all in the same place. Yeah,
1: but there's like it's
0: like one v one. So, oh, so they're just at different sides of the room or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. And like
1: also, Korea um, is doing really well with COVID nineteen. Oh, uh, that's true. really and that's probably
0: like the StarCraft empire, right?
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, um, there's a team, a StarCraft team um, in Korea called the Jin Air Green Wings, mm. and it's basically like. Jin air is a fucking the country's airline so it's like it would be like having like the delta fucking green wings (laughs) or like (laughs) you know like imagine if like one of america's top airlines sponsored a fucking video game tournament
0: yeah like united or some shit yeah
1: united it's a it's unheard of man in in the western (laughs) world right so
0: Yeah, I guess it's just a big enough thing over there because of um, also League of Legends and Dota, right? That kind of like has stadium level crowds going to it in Korea.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um, I think StarCraft is the original eSport. It's like the first eSport that ever existed, like StarCraft 1. I don't know if like, I guess there's Dota and all that competitions. I don't know. I don't really watch Dota. I never played it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I never really played Dota either. I never never got into that style of game like Dota and League of Legends. I I mostly... I got into StarCraft a little bit. Um, Not enough to, like, know too much about it, but I definitely played it when I was younger.
1: Yeah, I feel like these Dota, League of Legends type games kind of start and they're even and then one team just slowly gets more and more ahead until eventually they win. And it's, like, not as exciting as something like even Counter-Strike where, you know... I don't know like anyone could just like come through and fucking headshot everyone in the other team and win um and then in starcraft there's like multiple ways to like come back from from a losing position right but i don't know maybe i maybe i'm just everyone's face palming listening Uh. to this because i'm just like being ignorant about Dota and shit but yeah it's not my game
0: yeah no me either um yeah it's too meta do you think if they, <laughs> if they turned music production into an esport somehow, like competitive music production or something, um, that you'd get a bunch of young kids who are into gaming interested and within like two years you'd just have like these fucking insane producers who are just shitting on everyone? I mean, I guess you kind of already have that, right? And this <laughs> yeah. is just like Spotify players.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm not a very competitive person it's- like that's kind of why I don't really do any exercise. that's like a competitive sport or anything like that. Um, So I feel like if music was competitive, I'd be like, fuck that. I'm doing something else. Right. <laughs> it's like more chill. So uh, I don't know. I'd
0: say music to some degree is competitive in the sense of like getting shows and bookings and upping your fees and getting more plays on the internet and all of yeah. this. Kind of sh- like that's all of not these, my like, job,
1: man. That's my agent's job. You know what I mean? I just write the music. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it's your paycheck at the end of the day, right?
1: Yeah. I definitely feel lucky to to be in a position where I, I kind of have all that sort of locked down for the, for the most part.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, um, how much of that would you say is based around shows and music sales versus, like, education and
1: stuff like that? Well, as far as, like, my income goes? Yeah. Uh, like, income from shows is, like, my main source of income, right? Okay, um, playing shows is like how I earn a living, and then everything else is kind of just like pocket money, you know, right?
0: Okay, so you'd say like shows is 80% or something,
1: yeah, and then like YouTube after that, and then like whatever money I make from the music that I write is like at the bottom of the list, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, man, fuck music sales.
1: I mean, they're doing all right now
0: because Bandcamp keeps waiving their fees. Which is cool. And then everybody's like, sick, let's support the artists and goes on like a spending spree on Bandcamp, which is fucking awesome of Bandcamp and awesome of people to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel your music sales generally are not
1: not my biggest earnings. I haven't really either. found like a, a large increase in like Bandcamp sales for me. But um, you know what? Like I reckon I've made more money selling like my Ableton Essential toolbox on my website than... Like in the last two years that I have made in my entire life from like selling music that I've written.
0: <laughs> what's <laughs> Jesus? What's in your um what's in the Ableton Essential toolbox?
1: Uh it's just like a couple like racks and stuff that I made. Um it's just like uh my side chaining setup. It's just a channel you can drag in and there's like racks on there. Um just a, a really nice solid sounding sub. Um and just like a few tools, like a like a widening tool and just a couple of things like that. And it's like only 10 bucks, but I've sold heaps of um, copies of it, which Damn. is awesome.
0: Yeah, people love shit like that. People love these like all in one, this will solve all your problems kind of shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of just like if you watched all the videos on my YouTube channel, you can make the pack yourself. <laughs> but this, you know like this is like the lazy man's option where you just pay me 10 bucks and I just give him t- give it to you you know what I mean <laughs> right yeah uh and it's cool to have people support like that I gotta make some more shit to sell on my website actually
0: yeah and and with that toolbox do you sort of like plug it on every video like at the end of every video be like so if you want all of the crap I used in this video go get the toolbox or did you just like plug it in one video one time
1: I plugged it in like a couple videos and saw a spike in sales but um i kind of just put it in the description of all my videos on youtube and i guess some people check it out um but yeah i haven't been like slamming it too hard i don't want to be that guy that's just like always fucking talking about promotional shit (laughs) just always talking about your toolbox yeah always talking about my box which which is available for sale at slink.net it's only ten dollars go and buy it right now (laughs) it's uh it's available on slinks only fans (laughs) (laughs) yeah comes with a free picture of my butthole
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice all right man well um yeah that was a great podcast uh we should probably wrap it up but i appreciate you doing it and um, for sure man yeah if there's anything you want to plug uh, let's do it right now
1: i feel like i've already done that but i'm glad that we're ending the podcast right after i said something about my butthole <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah someone will just skip to the end to be like oh i wonder where they got to with this one and they're like oh, <laughs> buttholes again <laughs>
1: talking about slink's buttholes god damn it <laughs>
0: this always happens all right, man. thank you have a good one all right
1: peace brother thank you for listening to the mr Bill podcast
0: thank you for listening to the
1: mr <laughs>